Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that the things that we've just been singing about are true. Lord, I just pray that this morning as we think about all the people who have gathered in this space and, and those who maybe should be here are people who have such a variety of story in their life, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. And Lord, this morning, we are reminded that you are a God who transforms the brokenness in our lives. So Lord, thank you for that. God, I thank you for churches all across this community that are worshiping this morning. I thank you no matter what um, the sign out front says, whether they're in a really big church or they're, they're meeting in a home this morning, God, I just pray that your, your truth would just transform Murfreesboro and the surrounding counties. Lord, I pray that for our world, God, that you would, you would allow the truth of your good news, about your transformation potential in our lives to be the thing that transforms our globe because I, I don't know, but we desperately need it. So Lord, I pray for our community. I pray for our state. I pray for our country. I pray for our, our world. God, may, may these songs become the songs of this globe. Lord, there's people in our midst that are sick and God, we just pray that you lay a healing touch upon them. There are people whose hearts are broken today, and I pray that you would mend broken hearts today. There are people today who are wondering how they're going to make ends meet, and God, I just pray that you would help the ends come together. And Jesus, I I pray for those in our midst, uh, like our kids and our teens and our college students and every age after that. God, may we all recognize that you have something special to do in us and through us. So God, I just pray that your kingdom would come just like that song was talking about. And Lord, I'm thinking about, we've got some kids that are getting ready to go to do some quizzing in, in this next week. And I just pray that you would help your word transform their lives. Lord, may you do that in your powerful name. And whether you consider yourself God's people or not, why don't we all say amen, 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 amen. amen. Man, I am so excited about this morning because uh, not so much that we're wrapping up a series, but because we get to gather around the table of our Lord. If you're new to real life, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I, I would really, really, really love it if you would stop by our connections counter out on your way out and just drop, let me know you were here. Give, us, give me an email address. Give me a phone number, whatever. Um, I promise you, I promise you, I will not hound you. I will not sign you up for some endless mailing list. Um, I just want to be able to say hello. Uh, Christy and I would just love to, to love on you a bit and, and just say hi. So um, if you would do that, that'd be great. But it, if you're um, new to real life, this may feel a little different to you than what 
uh, maybe some churches you're used to, and that's fine. It, uh, like my grandpa always used to say, Jeremy, it takes all kinds to make the world go round. And I think he was right. And so welcome to real life. I'm hoping that you have already caught a sense of what God's up to around here. We, uh, if you're new today, you are catching us at the end of a series uh, called Table Talk. And we've been talking about key table moments in the life of uh, people like you and I. We've kind of gone through scripture. We, we nestled up next to a couple table moments uh, in scripture, and we, we kind of took a look at what was happening at those tables. What is the potential of table moments? And we've all, the whole time we've been kind of moving in this direction. We've been trying to, to get to this place uh, so that we can, we can gather like we do routinely around this table. Um, if you're new to the church at all, maybe you've never grown up around church, there's this thing that we do. Um, different churches do it more frequently. Uh, we happen to do it here right now at the beginning of the month. Um, but we come forward, and, and you have the opportunity of coming forward, and you'll receive a, a piece of bread and some juice. And these are signs and symbols of God's body broken and poured out for you. So if you think that you are too far gone, that there's nothing that God could do to redeem you, you need to hear the story of Jesus. Because it's a story of God who knows you right where you're at and was willing to step down out of heaven and move into neighborhoods just like the one you're living in because he loves you. And today we're going to be reminded of that. So um, I need you to grab your Bible uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. Uh, so if you want to like crack your Bible open to the middle, you're going to probably end up in the Old Testament. You're going to need to flip towards the back. And you're going to get to this book called Matthew. That's the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, those are t- four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts talks about the beginning of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts. Romans. Uh, We're starting to get into some pretty deep articulation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, And then we get into these these letters. Uh, They were written, Romans is actually a letter um, written to the church in Rome. But then you get into these letters written to this church in a place called Corinth. And this morning, we're going to be in the first of those letters in the 11th chapter. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, uh, the words are going to be up on the, the screens. But I would encourage you, um, find a Bible. If you don't have one and you need one, stop at the communication desk and say, I need a Bible. We will get you a Bible because we want you to have one. Um, but this morning, I want to read for you from the first le- Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, um, beginning in verse uh, 23. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. Now, the, a guy by the name of Paul is writing this. So um, here, uh, the voice of a, a man who has a pretty significant Jesus story. Um, he went through a radical transformation. Uh, you can read about that. Um, go back to the book of Acts. You'll find a, a lot of that story. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna realize that God transforms people. Well, this is that, that one of those guys. It, it would be like you having a really big transformation story, and you've just, God rocked your world. And now you're serving him with everything you got. 
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with by blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This is what we call the word of God. And we often say that this is the word of God for the people of God. Um, maybe in your church tradition, you've had a pretty clear response to the reading. And that might sound like, uh, you know, this is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus, or thanks be to God, something like that. Um, my dad is a rock star in my book. Um, and he was preaching one time and he led us in the response. And he said, this is the word of God for the people of God. And he added something on that I think is so important because this isn't just for the people of God. He, my dad said, and it blew me away. I was sitting down front and he said, this is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. So this is the word of God. What does it have to do with us? You see, this passage of scripture that I've just read articulates and reminds the church in Corinth that there is this reality that there is this practice that we are supposed to be engaged in that is to uh, be a reminder to us. It's to be one of those things that we, we do uh, often to be a reminder. You see, table, one of the things we learn about tables is that tables are places where we are reminded of who we are by the stories that we're told, by the things we do, by the foods we eat. Um, there is, I know that I have sat down at my Aunt Mariana's table. If you're listening, shout out to my Aunt Mariana. I know that I'm sitting at her table because she cooks food a certain way. And there are certain dishes that only Aunt Mariana can cook. One of them is chicken and noodles. Oh, man. You know you're at Aunt Mariana's table. But you see, my Aunt Mariana learned that dish at my grandma's table. And my grandma made chicken and noodles like nobody's business. So for all those of you out there who have someone who makes chicken and noodles, I'm sorry. They don't compare to my grandma's. But you see, my grandma learned how to make chicken and noodles at someone else's table. Powerful things happen at tables. We are, being, we are reminded of who we are at these tables. So that's the story that Paul is reminding this church of. And, and this, a very similar story is told in, in three other uh, books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell their version of the story where Jesus gathered with his disciples the night that he was betrayed and ate a meal together. Now they had done that before. They had shared the meal at the table before, but something was different tonight because Jesus did something weird. He broke bread and talked about, you know, his body being broken. And they're like, what are you talking about? You look just fine, Jesus. What they didn't realize was that Jesus was preparing them 
for what was about to happen. Sometimes we gather at tables to be nourished because of what's about to happen. We know that we're about to engage in a, a journey, and so you want to make sure that the, the stomach's topped off. You want to make sure you've got enough strength, and so you prepare. They didn't understand it fully, but Jesus understood that they needed to prepare for what was about to happen. And he took the cup after that, and he passed it around and said, this is the, the cup of the new covenant. My, and he starts talking about this language. That they're like, Jesus, you've totally lost it. But they've been with Jesus long enough to know that if you just stick around long enough, you'll get it. Well, it took them a little while to get it. It took them walking through Jesus's arrest, his farce of a trial, his uh, brutal beating, his ultimate crucifixion, and then his resurrection for them to actually get what Jesus was talking about at, the, at that meal that night. So this morning, we're going to gather at this. And, and I want us this morning to broaden out the image of the table for just a little bit. Um, we've, we've talked at, about um, enlightenment at the table. And I'm not talking about some weird, weird thing. I'm just talking about our eyes being opened at tables. Uh, we, we've seen um, sacrifices made at tables where a woman was willing to pour out everything she had, her whole identity on Jesus. Um, we we learn uh, about what, what does it look like when Jesus comes to your table and you being the least deserving of it. But today we're going to gather at a table. We're going to gather at a table of communion. Yeah, it, it, depending on what your faith upbringing has been, you have different things that pop into mind when you hear the word communion. Maybe you've never grown up in church, and that's awesome. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry, you've missed out on a whole lot, but I'm glad you're here today. Maybe we can get you caught up. Um, when I hear the word communion, there's a few things that flash through my head. Um, receiving communion uh, in a sanctuary in Hong Kong on the 24th floor of a high-rise building. We called it our upper room. <laughs> and I remember um, being surrounded by Chinese. And I didn't understand what they were saying, but somehow I understood that this was special. I remember um, receiving communion with thousands of, of, of people at the old Colts Stadium in Indianapolis, at what uh, we, we call a general assembly. Every four years, the Church of Nazarene, we all get together for a big family reunion, kind of. Well, I, I remember I was up in the upper deck, and they had passed out communion to all the thousands that had gathered there, and we held that in our hands, and we, we, uh, we received communion together. I saw people from every nation in the world at that table. Yeah, it was a big stadium, but it, it was a table. Um, I have images of uh, communion with a, a, led by a man by the name of Brennan Manning. Some of you maybe have read some of his stuff while I was in college. Changed my life. I, I, I have visions of uh, um, <laughs> these uh, communion on the go uh, if you, maybe you don't have no idea what I'm talking about, but 
at the, at the big gathering in Indianapolis, they hand you this little cup, and it's got um, a seal on it, and then it's got a piece of a little wafer on it, and then it's got another seal over it. And so it's like communion on, for the, on the go. And you, you peel it off, you eat it, and then you peel it off, and, you drink, and there you go. It was, it was cool. Uh, I have visions of um, a couple of ladies at our last church who at the end of a communion service would come down and I would pick off of the table these little kits that we had. And in those kits was a bottle of juice and some really small little pieces of bread. And these ladies would take communion to people who couldn't be with us. These are some of the images that come to my mind as I think about communion. Um, some of us may not have those images. The things that I'm talking about are foreign to you. They make no sense to you because you've not been a part of that. Well, today you are in luck because you get to gather at the table. I'd like, I'd like to step back to the word communion. Th- this is a word that means uh, the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. So while communion, for some of us, elicits these images of bread and juice and services and whatnot, at its core, communion is simply what we do when we are together with people and we're willing to share life with them. And so in essence, a table is not required. It just happens this is, we're trying to get an image that centers us. But communion is what happens when you sit at a table with a, a neighbor or a coworker, a family member, and you, you share life together. Communion um, can look like a whole lot of other things, too. It can look like uh, someone burying their soul because life is just horrible. Communion um, looks like one thing for a married couple. But communion also looks like something else for a single person who finds themselves within a community of communion. I'm reading a book right now, and it's challenging my thinking uh, on an area that we call intimacy. Um, And just so to be clear, we're not just talking about sex. We're talking about the kind of level of being known and knowing that every one of us is desperate for. And really what we are needing, what you and I need desperately, what our world needs is communion. Yeah. Um, it, wouldn't, it probably would go a long way for our, 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 our uh, <laughs> I'm gonna meddle here. Um, I'd get this way every once in a while, so please forgive me. It would probably would be good if we had a little dose of communion in the House and the Senate. It probably wouldn't hurt for us to have a little dose of communion um, between Israelis and Palestinians. It probably wouldn't hurt for us to have a little bit of communion in a whole lot of places around our globe. The hot topics, the hot places that you guys hear about in the news every day. I believe that what happens at the table of our Lord has the potential to change all of that. And so we come to the table, not casually, not like, eh, bread and juice again. We come realizing that what happens here is dangerous. 
it can mess you up. It can totally change the face of your life and your future. And most importantly, your eternity. Um, this passage of scripture that we read, there's three things that I want us to, three images that I want us to keep in front of us. A body freely given, a broken body, and the act of remembering. A body freely given, a broken body, and the act of remembering. We find ourselves in a day when getting something with no strings attached is rare. Everyone has an angle. Um, we, so for those of you who don't know, Christy and I and the family, we moved to town back in November. We haven't been here very long. Um, and we got this card in the mail that said, we are the welcome wagon and we, would, we have some gifts for you. I'm like, oh, how cool is that? Someone who's going to give us gifts because we're new to town. I figured what it was was just information about the community. Uh, I figured it was uh, maybe a map, um, maybe some details about whatnot. But, but um, they actually ended up calling us. I thought, wow, these people are like on top of it. They want to just welcome us to the community. And they said, we would like to come over. I'm like, these people are on the top of it. And we would like to give you a, we would like to test your water for free. I'm like, well, that's, that's a weird gift. That's not exactly what I was wanting in my welcome basket. Um, but we would just love to come and give you a free gift of testing your water. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. I know what you're trying to do. You want to sell me on a water system. See, it's all about them. It's not about me. So this morning I got to the church and I was opening mail. And I got this, uh, this, this voucher from a, a restaurant in town. They will remain nameless. Um, and they said, uh, basically the voucher says this, we're giving you $10. Yeah, not really. Because you just want me to come in and spend that $10 and more at your establishment. Now, had I opened that from that restaurant and there was a $10 bill in there, I thought, I'm going there because they gave me a $10 bill that I could go spend anywhere I wanted. You see, things are rarely freely given in our day today. But what we find in Jesus is a generosity that has no strings attached. We find in Jesus this gift giver who gives not just welcome baskets, but he gives himself to us. And ultimately what he says to you is this, take it or leave it. You don't want it, you don't have to take it. But when you do take it, it will change your life. Communion takes place when we, free, when we freely give ourselves away to others. You know, there are times when um, there are people that I know need to spend some time with their pastor. And, and I might have a whole list of things that I need to get done. But I freely give myself to them because I know that that's part of my job. 
But ultimately, that's part of who you and I are. See, it's not just pastors who give themselves away. If you have been redeemed by Jesus, transformed inside and out, you are called to freely give yourself away. And I have been so blessed and blown away in the ways in which you, people, here at Real Life, give yourselves away in extravagant ways to people. You're living your lives in the direction of other people. And it might actually cost you something, but that's okay because you're willing to do that. See, when it comes to what God wants to do, God gained nothing by coming. Think about that. This arrangement between God and us, he gets the short end of the deal. We get a pretty good end of the deal, but he gets the short end. He doesn't gain anything. It costs God everything to do what God did. So we, we've got this image of a body freely given, but we also have this image of a body broken. This is where we talk about the price of what Jesus gave. Jesus came and gave his life. Now, parents, you are probably at least willing to give lip service to uh, dying for your kids. But I'm going to guess that when it comes right down to it, you're still going to have these, do I really do that? Now, we have a, an example in, in, in God who became flesh and blood, moved into the neighborhood, and gave himself away. And, and Jesus himself said in the garden before he was arrested, God, Father, if there is any other way that we can get this thing done, I'm all in. I think we get that. We get, you know, looking the, the, the price tag in the face and realizing, you know what? Man, I'd love to have that car, but if there's another way that we could get that car without paying that price, I'm all for that. But if you know the story, you know what Jesus said right after that. Remember Jesus, you know, if there be any other way, let's do that. But not my will, your will be done. And in that statement right there, at the core of that statement is, is something that is a door into what we around here call the sanctified life. It's a life of total surrender, but not just total surrender. God takes us up fully and consumes us completely. And all of that seems to hinge on this idea that we can come to the place where we say, ultimately, God, I don't want my, my thing. I want yours. A broken body costs. Communion is shrouded in the brokenness of God. God becomes a broken man to do for us what you and I could never do for ourselves, and that is reach across the chasm created by sin. It's too wide. You can't get it. There's no way you can grab to one side and grab to the other and kind of hold yourselves together. It, it just doesn't happen. Sin is too pervasive. It, 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 it gets to the core of everything. But Jesus could do it. Communing with others costs us. It costs us time. It costs us our treasure. It costs us our talents. But we follow a God who set the example, 
We are a people who are willing to pay the price. And then this last image is this. It's an act of remembering. Um, This is a word that has intrigued me for some time, especially in the context of this passage of Scripture. We We are told to partake in the elements as we remember Christ. Remember. I, I want to ask you a, a question, and it's kind of a weird one to ask in the midst of a, a, of a church service, but um, when, you, when you hear the next word, what is it that comes to your mind? Don't say it out loud. Okay, the word is this. Dismember. How many of you have images that are just nice and rosy? How many of you, you can show your hand, are having images that aren't pretty? Yeah. Dismember. It's a weird word, especially in the light of communion. So if, if you take that word, dismember, you've got that image in your head, right? Let me give you another word. Remember. What happens to your image that you have when you hear the word remember. I think we have a much better picture now because these dismembered parts are being remembered, put back together, reconnected. There's something that happens at the table where we, not, we, we, we don't just remember back to what Christ did, but in some way, shape, or form, we are remembered together as people in the church, but also the parts of our bodies and our lives that sometimes look like they are strewn all across creation. But because of what Christ did, because of what we do here at the table, we are remembered. You're never going to hear that word the same again. And that's what happens at tables. We get messed up. Our vocabulary changes. The images in our heads and in our hearts, they get all reworked. So today, as we gather at the table, we gather to remember, to be reconnected, to be brought back together at the table we reconnect with the God who is reconnecting with us. We are remembered. To the creator who has gone the length for people like you and I. So this morning, there's an invitation to the table. This is the table not of the church, but of our Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and for those who want to know, love God more. So we come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow And you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord that invites you. It is God's will that those who want God should meet here at this table. Come today 
and receive God's grace. Come and share in God's love.